Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. House GOP representatives want to take a new approach to countering the Chinese Communist Party. This as Republicans plan to unveil their midterm agenda in 10 days. Here are the details. You might own the White House, but you no longer will own the People's House. Predicting the GOP will reclaim the majority in the November midterms, House Republicans say they want to bring real changes to America's policies on China. When we get the majority back, we're going to prepare America to win the great power competition against China. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and other Republicans led a press conference in Texas on Thursday. They vowed to enforce sanctions on Chinese slave labor, block China's influence on American universities, and crack down on Beijing's espionage in the U.S. Not through talk, but through, through actions and words uh, and deeds. Democrats have also stepped up their message of countering China. Following a trip by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to Taiwan in August, a slew of bipartisan delegations has visited the democratically ruled island. The latest one traveled there on Thursday. Is a symbol of Congress's rock-solid commitment to Taiwan. The Biden administration is also hailing its efforts to compete with China, including the passage of the bipartisan CHIPS Act. And China is trying to move away ahead of us. It's no wonder the Chinese Communist Party actively lobbied U.S. business against this bill. Despite that, the House GOP says the administration has not stood up to the communist regime. And as a result, today China continues to steal America's intellectual property with impunity. And on September 19, McCarthy is expected to unveil the GOP's midterm platform, which will cover the economy, the border, parental rights and government accountability. As we just told you, House Republican leadership held a rare joint press conference off of Capitol Hill. Leader Kevin McCarthy and several other members introduced a bill intended to crack down on the Chinese Communist Party. And here to discuss, we're happy to have with us Congressman Ralph Norman. South Carolina Congressman Ralph Norman, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Steve. Thank you. Congressman, a group of your colleagues today, including Leader McCarthy, introduced the Countering Communist China Act, legislation aimed at cracking down on the Chinese Communist Party as well as their espionage activities. Uh, is this long overdue, in your opinion? Steve, it really is. You know, I, I got involved uh, three or four years ago on the Confucius Institute, pointing out that this was just another way for China to steal our intellectual properties and, and do it on the dime of the American taxpayer. What this bill does, it, it puts new sanctions on China, on Chinese companies that steal our intellectual properties. It prohibits universities from receiving grant money from the NSF, National Science Foundation, that works with uh, China and prohibits companies from, you know, using our federal dollars to expand businesses in China. They're no friend of the United States, Steve. This should have happened long ago. Uh, I have no uh, no confidence that Schumer's bill, which is general in nature, it costs $250 billion as opposed to a billion on this. And uh, his endless frontier act is, is uh, vague at best and has no teeth to it. This one does. Does the fact that the CCP allowed the virus to spread outside of China while at the same time locking down inside of China, resulting in what we see now, we see the carnage, um, do you think this is something the CCP still needs to pay for? And if so, will Republicans, uh, if they take Congress, hold them to account? 
You know, I really think we will. This is, I mean, where can you kill a million Americans and not have any consequences on it? Uh, there's been a silencing of those who have even questioned uh, the virus. And, you know, in, in my mind and in most people, this is a biological weapon uh, used by a communist country that is no friend of the United States. And look at the carnage it continues to do with the drugs. I mean, the, the virus is one thing, but the fentanyl that's coming across uh, the border now, uh, the cartels, it's a carnage that this country should not put up with. And, and this administration has no uh, has has seen, we we've seen nothing that they would do to hold them accountable. So that's why we we'll do this. And I think the when leadership changes and we will win in November, we're going to put forth uh, not only bills, we'll put forth subpoenas and uh, trying to get to the bottom of it. You bring up fentanyl in the you know in the southern border. Uh, it's the fentanyl's originating in China and, and making its way in. Uh, we're seeing also a record number of people illegally crossing the southern border um, this year um, that have died. Um, what can, what what should have what could a fresh Congress do to address this situation? Well, I mean, look at the numbers. They don't lie, Steve. 748 migrants have died on the southern border so far this year, as opposed to in 2020, we saw 247 deaths. And I think 2019 or 2021, uh, like 300. But bottom line is people are dying because of this administration's deliberate policies uh, to open the border up. 60% of the Border Patrol agents are now just processing uh, the fact that processing papers for them to come into this country, not stop them. And the only way you're going to stop them is build a wall and, ha and have a designated point of entry, with this, uh, which this administration simply will not do. Congressman Norman, yesterday you introduced a bill banning federal funds for abortion travel expenses. Um, are taxpayer funds really being used for such things right now? Absolutely. Uh, and that's why I wrote, uh, we had about 37 co-sponsors on my letter to the eight companies, major companies, Bank of America, Citibank, Citicorp, and others who uh, their individual companies are paying for abortions for their employees. And uh, But my bill will stop any federal, will propose to stop any federal dollars that go to uh, paying for travel expenses for abortions. Uh, and, you know, the Supreme Court was right in sending it back to the states and basically banning Roe v. Wade and the effects of it. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is a top priority in this in my in, in, in my mind and I think in the American people's mind. You mentioned 36 co-sponsors. Um, is this an issue resonating with the people of South Carolina as well? Absolutely. South Carolina has had a bill that's been stopped in the courts uh, for a number of years. Now they're taking it back up to, it was six weeks. I think the most current bill alters that and has some, some different things in it. But yeah, South Carolinians are opposed to abortion, particularly infanticide that the left is promoting. Uh, and so South Carolinians are well aware of what's going on. And, you know, for, for the countries that, we're one of the few countries that even allow this in any event. And it's a uh, high time that it's taken up by the states. Congressman Ralph Norman, thank you. My pleasure, thank you. The talk of Marxism and fascism is increasingly becoming part of the political dialogue in the United States, but are the two ideologies actually one and the same with all roads ultimately leading to communism? To analyze, we have host of Counterpunch on Epoch TV, Trevor Loudon. Trevor Loudon, thank you so much for joining us. 
Well, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Trevor, you've been uh, warning of the Marxist underpinnings in Western society for a long time. Many of these things have actually come to fruition, critical race theory being one example. Where is the Marxist movement, if you will, in terms of influence? In what areas of society does this ideology have the most influence on that has you concerned? Well, I think it's, it's the ex extensive infiltration of mainstream politics, the military, the judiciary system, the bureaucracy. Look, look, it's in most things, like uh, it's in the churches, it's in, um, you know, the so-called LGBTQ movement is a Marxist movement. So it's in all, it's in Hollywood, um, uh, it's in TV, but, but the one that's really most concerning now, the aspect, is the deep penetration of the government, the organs of state, the CIA, the FBI, the military, the Justice Department, and and basically, I, I say we're in a revolution. We're in a, what we're seeing now is what happened in Czechoslovakia in 1948, when the communists entered a, a coalition government, and they took over the security services, they took over the military, I believe, and they used. Um, and the Justice Department, I think, and they used those to suppress their enemies, to come after their enemies, to shut them down. To, and it took them three years to establish a, a full communist state. And we're about 18 months through that, I think. Yeah, I mean, to your point, Trevor, recently we've, uh, we've been hearing the Biden administration refer to Trump supporters as semi-fascists. What do you think when you hear that comparison? Well, who, who, calls, who calls conservatives fascists? Star, Stalin started that. That's a communist meme. Um, the, uh, you, you know, the, the typical glance. If somebody, if somebody calls a, a, a normal conservative or an American patriot a fascist, you can pretty much put a ring around that they're a communist. That's what they're doing. That's their standard modus operandi. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's Marxist talk. That's, uh, that's revolutionary talk. He is making an enemy. He's going to demonize that enemy and he's going to crack down on that enemy because that enemy is all that's standing between him and a complete monopoly on power. When I say him, I mean the forces behind him because I really don't think he's that lucid. In essence, um, how is fascism actually tied to communism or vice versa? Well, look, back in the 1930s, there wasn't a lot of difference. You know, the, the, Stalin wrote of his admiration for Hitler. Hitler wrote of his admiration for Stalin. You know, they were both collectivist systems. The state is everything. And the difference, the slight difference was that the fascists were more national socialists and some of them had an anti-Semitic bent, though, though Mussolini didn't. You know, that was, that was German fascism, not Italian fascism. Uh, but they were, and, and we've got to remember, you know, Mussolini was the editor of the Italian socialist newspaper before he became a fascist. So in those days, there wasn't much distinction drawn between fascism and communism. They were brothers. They were like two, two branches of the mafia. Sometimes they'd work together. Sometimes they'd have a bit of a fight. But they were essentially on the same page. And only really, it was Stalin, uh, only really became a serious rift when um, Hitler betrayed Stalin and invaded the Soviet Union. And then it was all on. Then all the, um, you know, up until that time, American communists were supporting the Nazis. 
American communists and British communists were supporting the Nazis. French communists helped sabotage the French military so the Nazis could invade France. They were all together. It was only when they had a falling out that we had this this uh, differentiation between communism and, and, and fascism, which is a very superficial definition of be- separation at best. Trevor Loudon, thank you. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon. Thank you.